All right, guys. Welcome back into the Flag Hunting Podcast. I am back. It seems like I'm here every other week at this point, but uh, I am back this week uh, joining Ian and guests of the pod this week. We've we've Ian's done a good job with the golf guests this week. We've had a guest every week for every golf tournament. Um, so fourth iteration of the West Coast Swing, and we're joining joined by Matt Miller, co-host of Draw, uh, Draws and Phase podcast and a rotoball contributor with Ian. So Matt, how are you doing tonight? Doing well. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate the invite. Absolutely. This is going to be a fun one to talk about. It feels like we finally have like a real, like a real golf tournament to talk about. Like no more of these 200, 400 to one winners. Let's get a, let's get a real guy in here to at top of the board. Um, but yeah, so Ian, we are, um, like I said, off to the fourth iteration of the West coast swing. We're heading to San Diego, California for, uh, Torrey Pines for the farmer's insurance open. But I know to lead us off, uh, you have a little segment you want to kind of talk about. Um, so I'm going to throw it to you with, with what you got going on here. Yeah, uh, golf Twitter has been struggling in the month of January. The books, uh, the books are having a great time to start 2024. Winners of 150, 400, and like 450 to one first three events. Um, but this segment's kind of inspired by the fact that we just saw the first amateur champion in the last 32 years win on the PGA Tour, Nick Donlop, big bodying Sam Burns and JT to get it done on Sunday at the Amex. I kind of want to throw it to Matt real quick first because I don't know if it's just my lack of connections in the amateur game, but I feel like of all like the top youngsters that have come out in the last five years, right? Like obviously Ludwig, so much hype coming out of college. You had, um, you know, we're still talking, we've been talking about Gordon Sarger for like two years now, right? Obviously the Hovland, Morikawa, Wolf kind of 2019 class was huge. I feel like Dunlop for the, for the fact that he was the one of, those like of, of all that group of guys, the fact that he was the guy that actually won as an amateur feels a little bit surprising. I'm not sure if I know he had a great 2023, but um, yeah, I, it was kind of blindsiding for me. I'm, I'm sure like no one really called it on Twitter, but um, what do you, did you have any kind of feel on the kid before this week or, or kind of what did you le- feel like you learned maybe uh, these last four days at Amex? Yeah, no, it's so impressive. I mean, kind of something that we, we talk about a lot is um, it's just how hard it is to win. And like you yeah. see, even a guy like Zalatoris, like he's only won one time on tour. Cam Young, we talk about him, you know, all the time. <laughs> he hasn't won yet. So How like, it, yeah, yeah, like it takes, he blows the Dubai Classic, right? And we see guys come over a lot from the DP World Tour too, who are kind of highly talked about. And Tommy Fleetwood still hasn't won on tour. Like, it's it's difficult to do. So to see someone do it as an amateur, um, I thought. I mean, I was kind of pulling for him come Sunday because I didn't really have a dog in the fight. I mean, I yeah. had. Siwoo going into the weekend kind of felt like he was in it and then he kind of faded on Saturday and I knew it would have to take something crazy on Sunday. So if if he wasn't going to get it done, I was pulling for, uh, you know, the amateur, but I didn't think he was actually going to do it. And then even kind of that front nine, it felt like he was just kind of in neutral. He bounced back from, from the double early, but he, you know, he got it done on the back nine and to his credit, I saw someone saying it. I mean, we thought it was going to be him that folded and it was Burns. Yeah, I mean, and, and I was kind of in the same boat. I mean, I I had whenever you enter Sunday with three guys at twenty under par and, and feel like you have zero chance to win, you know it's ready to move on. You're ready to move on to next week. Yeah, um, might be boycotting the MX. Might be taking an early vacation in the third week of January in 2025. Um, but but yeah, I, I had Eric Cole, JT Post, and Tiwoo Kim. So very limited um, hopes and and dreams as far as Sunday uh, went. And I had friends with Sam Burns, but of course, like the amateur story. Um, kind of superseded all that. 
Yeah, I feel like the Amex kind of got they caught a little bit of a break. Like they got a cool, really cool winner instead of like someone just randomly winning it. Not randomly, but someone winning at minus twenty nine, and everyone saying what a crap tournament it is. It turned into like a really cool story for them. For sure. What do you What do you think? Because um, he just withdrew from the Farmers. Dunlop did right. So, is the is the consensus that he's going to come back next week for Pebble Beach, elevated field, and actually turn pro, or do you think he's going to see out the next couple of years at Alabama? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know why he wouldn't at this point. I mean, it's pretty clear yeah. he can compete. Obviously, it's you know tough to stay consistent um you know at that pace but hey he was, he was really impressive now. last week yeah full exemptions he's in the ele- elevated fields as of now so that's guaranteed paydays for a 20 year old college kid uh playing for what 12 million dollar purses next week at Pebble Beach so yeah the hard, hard uh proposition to say no to I will say I was getting a little nervous for him when he didn't realize that the lead was down to one on yeah. 18 I was like oh no because this is I mean, that's a lot of pressure on an up and down there, but yeah, especially for to be sprung on you just like that. Um, and yeah, he, he did get a little bit fortunate with the with the ball rolling down. Um, I know I've got a couple of friends that were on CBAS, and uh, you know, it, it felt like again that ball could have ended up anywhere on the second shot. So he it was a pretty straightforward up and down, but credit to the kid. I mean, like you said, I mean, he was in a final group with. JT and Sam Burns, right? Sam's five-time winner of the PJ Tour. I mean, JT's won two majors. They've both been in some of the biggest situations in the sport. And uh, the final man standing was a 20-year-old amateur that was 501 pre-tournament. So that kind of segues into my, like, overarching segment, which is I kind of had a realization last night because as I was watching Sam Burns fold on 17 and 18 back-to-back dubs to go from – what T one to like whatever he finished probably outside the top ten. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know, but double double will will do it to you. Yeah, nice. yeah, he, he completely ejected. But it, it's funny because Burns would have been like one of the guys that like. I mean, we have a lot of softies on the PJ Tour. Like Burns is not that guy that I feel like has been prone to like you know late round Sunday collapses, and so it got me thinking about just the state of the PJ Tour. And, like, obviously the players that have left for live, like, we, we always talk about the, the personalities and the marketability of a lot of the guys that have left, guys like Bryson and Cam Smith. You know, they've got a lot of young stars like Mito and, and Joaquin that we all liked. But I think an maybe underreported part of all this is the fact that a lot of the guys they took were, like, the quote-unquote dogs of the PJ Tour, like the guys that Kepka, Reed, I mean, we'll talk about a few in a minute, but guys that, like, you know, would just slam the door shut on a 20 year old amateur. And now we're kind of left with a lot of Xanders and JTs and, um, you know, Cantleys, et cetera. You know, me and Byron talked last week on Back Nine Bets about the first team, like the, the all gutless first team, if, if we were to pick one for the PJ Tour. And that list only seems to be growing. And the list of like trustworthy names only seems to be shrinking. So my general idea of the segment to intro us is to kind of replicate that first team all gutless segment I had with Byron last week. But for me and Matt to go back back and forth across tours, we each get five picks. We'll just go back and forth, back and forth, throw all the nerdy strokes gain stuff out the window, like just Sunday afternoon T one with four to play. Who do you trust to get across the line? And we can go whatever tour you want. You can go LPGA if you want to go that route too, but just, just to kind of get a sense of, of kind of, is that is it? Are we going to affirm my initial notion, or 
Um, maybe we're over, are we overreacting here um, in terms of the state of the PGA Tour? So I'll, I'll, I'll throw it to you, Matt. So you got one guy back nine Sunday, tied for the lead. Who's your first overall pick for just an absolute dog? Get a home, cash a ticket for you. I, uh, I'm going to have to go with Bruce Koepka as my as my first pick. Um, he did kind of let me down big time last year at the Masters, but yeah. he got it back at the at the PGA. But I just want to think of him. I mean, I think what everyone does, it's he could be playing, you know, in whatever form he wants. And then it seems like anytime a major rolls around, the guy just shows up and he's always in contention. So when I think of just a big dog, you know, at a big event, um, he's one of the first guys I think of. And he's got a pretty good record closing him out too. So I'm going to have to lead off with him. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's, I think that's kind of consensus 101, to be honest with you. One of the bigger regrets of my 2023 golf betting season, Kepka 25 to one at the PJ championship. What did I say? Nope. I'm taking Patrick Haley and Tony Finau instead. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just had to watch Kepka just revert to 2019 peak form. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kepka 101. That was what I was going to go with. I'm going to go with new live signee, John Rom. Like I, I know, you know, Rom has its, his faults in his game. He's kind of a, maybe a bit more up and down, at least over the last kind of couple of years than guys like Scheffler and Rory and maybe Vic over the last six months. But talk about a guy that you like, you just do not want to see on a Sunday leaderboard when you've got a guy in the lead standing over like a 15 foot putt. It just feels like he makes those in inordinate amount of times. And uh, there's just not any holes in this game. It feels like he's just going to, you know, hit every fairway knock everything to 15 feet inside 15 feet and stroke the ball in. You know, we talked about the masters last year, closing that deal uh, in some tough score conditions against cap and just stared him right down and, and caught him. And uh, yeah, it, even if, even if it feels like the last kind of year or so has been, you know, he had that kind of post masters hangover. Whenever you see him on the leaderboard and you don't have him, it just feels, uh, it feels like you have a pit in your stomach because uh, it feels inevitable. He's just going to chase your guy down. So Rom was going to be my, 102 for dogs um so it's two nil live through two, through two picks here. yeah so, no i i like that pick he was uh he was definitely going to be my second choice um right there if you didn't take him this is getting it's tough because there's there's a lot of guys to consider here um yeah. full disclosure i did i did spring this on matt like legit 10 minutes ago so like <laughs> uh, <laughs> really give him time to have a short list yeah no 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 i uh i'm gonna go with and I don't, this is going to be interesting to see how this one kind of ages, but I'm going to go with Scotty Scheffler. Um, kind of the year that he had two years ago, I thought was like extremely impressive. And he, it seemed like he went from, he hadn't won to then he won everything. And then last year it was, you know, he didn't have the year really that he wanted. And I think there is sort of a legitimate concern going on right now with like his putter. And in terms of kind of being a dog, if you, aren't going to be trusted to make, you know, five to 10 footers in big events. I don't know how much of, you know, how many big events you're going to close out, especially if you're going up against those guys who seem to always make it when it matters the most. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Scheffler right now, but I think, you know, he needs to kind of figure that out um, with the putter. For sure. I, I, I like the pick. I, I, I think Scheffler's like, he's kind of in between for me between gutless and like, a complete like dog on Sundays just because again, like you said, he's not a guy that I tend to trust to make enough putts to maybe go super deep. But I do like him in the fact that like, if he's paired up on a final group with a guy, like he's never going to make a fucking bogey. So like he can just allow the dude to come back to him. Um, but 
Yeah, the thing about him that like that I like is sort of like when we saw it a little bit in like the players when he won, but it was like yeah, true. It, it seems like he's just such a good like he's so good tee to green that yeah. like that's the thing. If he has a little bit of a lead, it's yeah. so hard for him to give it away because he doesn't really make any huge mistakes. It's true. It's true. Yeah, and and exactly, especially as you get to like more golf tournaments like this week and you know and Phoenix and Riviera and Bay Hill and the players where like there's actual peril for players that are around him on the leaderboard. Like he's like Amex was never the spot for Scotty Scheffler just right. because like everyone in that field is going to hit the 15 feet and then it's going to cover runs hottest on the greens. But to your point, like at a place like Bay Hill where he's going to hit every fairway, he's going to every green to 30 feet, two putt par and just watch the carnage ensue with guys that are trying to hack it out of four inch thick rough and, and lightning fast greens. So uh, I like that. Yeah. Especially if he's, Front running, it feels like he's a really, really solid front runner. Um, I'm, I'm going to go maybe a bit of a throwback here, stick with my live roster uh, to join John Rahm. I'm going to go with with Pat Reed, man. I mean, maybe we're at the Farmers, so a little bit of nostalgia here. But, I mean, you talk about a guy that, again, like like the poster child for, like, fuck your model, I'm winning this tournament. Like, <laughs> that's just like, that's Patrick Reed to a T. He's going to write out 45th out of 160 players every single time you run anything. Um but man, like it's just inevitable. He he's gonna show up on Sunday like once every two months, and he's gonna give it a fucking run. He's not gonna give it away. And if there's any kind of if you blink at all, we saw it in Mexico when when he chased down JT at the WGC Mexico and just you know hold that that big time putt on 17. Uh, that was like fresh off the back of his controversy, controversy of the hero when he was still getting slack on the Presidents Cup, etc. And then two years ago, obviously um, gets caught up in the rules controversy on Saturday here. Gives the most smug NBC or CBS interview with Valionis of all time. Like just guilt-free conscious, even though he obviously cheated, you know, gets all the slack with the media, gets all the slack online, shows up Sunday with a 54 lead and just slams the door on guys like Finau and Xander and, and Hoblin wins that starting by five. Obviously, you know, outdoors Rory at the Masters. Not for the first time uh, that's happened in, in Rory's career. But, uh, but yeah, P. Reed. Again, like not the same echelon of players we've we've been talking about in, in terms of Kepka and and Scheffler and Rom, but man, talk about a guy you do not want to see in, in third place when you've got a guy kind of right in the lead. Yeah, no, I mean I think that's he's one of my favorite guys to bet on for pretty much the exact reason that you said. I mean, he's never yeah. going to be, I guess, necessarily week to week like that guy that pops off and is at the top of the odds list. But yeah. it was pretty amazing. I mean, for a while he had a run where like they just you would get him at like 40 to 50 to one and you just knew that he was gonna win you know yep. one of these times and um when he's in the mix man he's he scrambles his ass off he makes every clutch putt he's an ultimate grinder man so yeah. I, I like that pick all right let's let's maybe go maybe two apiece because i'm honestly starting to run out of names too so we'll uh We'll try to expedite this process. I know our audience is, is looking for Tory Pines content, so maybe not the best way to go off the rails with it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. But uh, yeah, you, we got two names apiece. You go over the uh, fifth overall pick, Matt. I uh, this is interesting. Uh, so when when you consider it, I mean, are you considering majors here? Yeah, for sure. Is it like are you or because there's a guy that's really interesting to me, and I kind of segues into perfectly to Tory Pines. Okay. I think Max Home is a really intriguing name yeah, where he name. like he doesn't perform well in the majors typically, 
but yeah. every other event, it seems like he's a guy that if he's like in the mix on the leaderboard, like he pulls it out and he's won pretty much every big tournament there is, except for like the majors. He won Riviera, won, you know, Tory Pines. Um, he has a pretty good track record, you know, closing at these type of events, but then yeah. for whatever reason, he gets to the major championships and just, it, you know, he never really shows up. No, I'm I'm right there. Honestly, if I if I had to rank order the PGA Tour by strokes gained dog, Max Home would be at the top. Yeah, I just I trust him so much when he's in contention. And like, yeah, he doesn't have like maybe the same like baselines, like week to week consistency as as some of the guys like inside the top ten of the world rankings alongside of him. But man, like Sunday, I mean, I've I've won tickets with Max, I've lost tickets with Max, but like every time he's in the mix on Sunday, like you just watch him from twelve feet, it's just dead center walks it in just seems like his heartbeat is steady at 40 beats per minute the entire day so yeah I, I i love max um and he would be my he'd be my like first team for sure lock in terms of dogs on the pj tour um which brings me to, i that was gonna be on my pick so i will scram i'll be scrambling here just a little bit between two guys right now but why break the live chemistry like let's talk about cam smith here a guy that i feel like i mean obviously like before he won, I feel like the century in 2022 to kind of catapult him into, you know, players open championship. He was kind of known as a bit of a choker, especially with the two playoff losses he had uh, in Memphis and in what was that Liberty National in 2021 for the Northern Trust, where he just like four right off the tee and, and kind of gifted a female the playoff win there a couple years back. But Man, Cam Smith's just a guy where, again, he's kind of the opposite of Scheffler, where I would almost rather Cam Smith be like three or four back on Sunday because all of a sudden he gets to swing free, he gets to fire at pins, he gets to just take aim from 20 feet and inside with a putter, and it just he just has the he just gets that look in his eye. Like we saw at the Open Championship, like, like we saw the players where the dude's just going to make every fucking putt down the stretch, and it's just like it's so tilting if you have money against him because – you just watch him stand over a 15-footer and you just kind of know it's dropping, which, you know, if you watch a lot of golf, you know how, how tough that is. I, I bet a lot of losers that, like, couldn't make a 15-footer to save their life on Sunday. So, um, so yeah, he's, he's definitely missed on the PJ Tour. And, um, you know, I think he kind of admittedly had a bit of a um, – you know, he went a little crazy, I guess, in the offseason between 2022 and 2023. So, um, I know he wasn't he, – he was, like, quoted as saying he wasn't even, like, ready to play the Masters. Um, in 2023 so it'll be interesting to see now that maybe it feels like at least in his mind he might be a bit of a forgotten entity in the world of golf it'd be interesting to see now major championships um you know especially like places like augusta pinehurst in the open i feel like are three venues that he could potentially play really well at so uh, i'd like to see cam smith back in uh back in contention in one of those tournaments for sure yeah 100 percent. i mean the way he closed out really the open championship was incredible what what he did and yeah. Um, you know, Rory kind of went the opposite way there on, on Sunday, um, yeah, as he's yeah. tended to do lately. But <laughs> two putted every hole. I mean, I can't, I mean, I, I don't even know that's possible. You just, you two putted every single green on the Sunday in the final round of a major. Yeah. He, uh, I don't know. We'll see if he ever, you know, I, I guess he eventually will, but I don't know. I mean, it's been a long time. Keep waiting for it to happen, but the years keep going by. So I don't know where, what he's going to do. Yeah. All right. Last pick you've got. So you've got uh, Kepka, you've got Scheffler, and you've got Homa so far on your all dog squad. Who's going to round the uh, the force them out here for for Team Miller? It's 
a good question. Um, I only have one left on my short list. Let me think about this here for a second. Um, Man, there are not a lot of. I'm I'm scrolling through the OWGR right now. There are just not a lot of <laughs> names I trust, man. Yeah, there's. Um, I'm tempted. To, I don't know where I. I don't Let's know where I stand with, with with Bryson yet. Um, okay. Yeah. On this list, I mean. I feel like he he's in a weird spot where he now he's making his comeback and I feel like it was, he, he went from being like, you know, the favorite in majors and to completely falling off. And now it kind of seems like he's coming back, but um, even though it's a little bit of time removed, I mean, he, it it seems like if he's on his courses and he's playing his game, he's really tough to beat. And he obviously has had his, courses where he has not played well the masters being one of them even though he made that comment how you know it's a par 68 for him and he never seems to show up there and play well but uh you know you get him on those longer courses like we saw at the u.s open when he won and he just kind of seems unbeatable um so we'll see if he can get back to that form but if he does it is interesting because there's not there's not that many guys i guess yeah that are I, I- like complete closers i'm kind of coming to the same conclusion to be honest with you i i'm glad we kind of reduced it to to eight names here because i don't know what i would be doing in my with my fifth round pick so maybe it just goes to show like (laughs) how spoiled we were for so long with tiger how i guess (laughs) our expectation is just so high that there's just very few guys that you know like there's some guys that like we've been talking about for the last few minutes that like you truly do trust on sundays there's some guys I think that take a more volume approach. Like Rory comes to mind, a guy that's just he's going to be in the mix for so many. Like eventually he's going to close it out, even if it's at a maybe below expectation rate. Um, and but I, I agree with you. I think Bryson's a closer for sure. I mean he he struggled. I think his struggles over the last kind of two three years before this past live season were due to like his form. Like he just lost his game more so than like he was choking a lot of tournaments down the stretch. So um, yeah, you mentioned the U.S. Open, which I think is one of the best major performance we've seen in the last five years. Obviously, a place like Bay Hill, where he, where he slammed the door shut on a, on a pretty elite field there. Yep. Um, you know, closed out with a 59. Was it 59 or 58 at Greenbrier? Yeah, 58, I think. 58 yeah. at Greenbrier. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, that, that earned some points, sure, uh, for sure, at, uh, at that live event there. So, all right. Yeah, I, I had one name in my shortlist. I didn't even think of Bryson, to be honest with you. That's a good pick. I do like that. Um, but I'm going to go with Victor Hovland. I mean, uh, I feel like he's kind of hiding in plain sight here, fourth on the OWGR. I know he's had, you know, his fair share of, you know, Sunday disappointments maybe in majors. But I don't really feel like, you know, I, I was actually pretty impressed with his performance last year at the PGA Championship. He went shot for shot with Kepka for a lot of that Sunday and, you know, got caught in a pretty tough situation on 16 or was it 15 or 16 in the bunker where he kind of had to go for it and did the same thing Connors did the day before. Um, I thought he acquainted himself really well at the Masters. You know, I mean, didn't play very well at St. Andrews when he was in the final group there. But, you know, I think the, the progression of Hoblin has been so stark over the last kind of six to eight months, closing out a, a tournament like Memorial, closing out a tournament like the BMW with a, with a final round 61 to beat Scotty and then just go in absolute sicko mode at the Tour Championship to just uh, to make that into formality down the stretch. So um, for me, Victor's absolutely name I, I trust. On, on leaderboards and uh, he's a guy that again unlike Scheffler he can he, I still trust him to make like the clutch eight to ten footer you know like he might not be the same caliber ball striker no one really is compared to Scheffler but 
Um, but I think Victor's clutch when it comes down to making those really crucial putts down the stretch. And if the short game progression continues or even just stays even, like he will be in contention for a major and um, and have a really good chance of winning one. Yeah, he was definitely on my mind too. I, I think it's a good pick. And I think it's also we're going to kind of see him get better at that. Um, yeah. Not just with just age and experience, but like you mentioned, the short game really improved a ton last year. Yeah. And he isn't bad, you know, he's not bad putting and he does you know, tend to make clutch pots. If he can continue to improve that short game, uh, that's just going to help him even more at the majors and like the tougher events when you really have to grind it out. So, yeah, I think he's got a lot of, you know, very big wins ahead of him. Yeah. Scary times considering he's like 12 to one in every major's futures. Odd <laughs> yeah. yeah. We missed our window to get good. I know, man. That, but... I know. I was betting him at 40 to one like three years ago to win, you know, the PJ championship and that did not work out so it'd be only fitting to to see him win at 10 to 1 when i'm not on but, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah i appreciate you uh you bearing with me during that format uh during that segment i thought you know just a nice you know state of the union as we kind of head into again like chris mentioned earlier the main course for a lot of people when it comes to the pj tour season in 2024 at least the first course of many mains um here on the west coast swing starting at tory pines obviously pebble next week phoenix the week after that rib the week after that so um, yeah, if you haven't been paying attention to the golf for the last three weeks, I don't really blame you, but, uh, this is, I think one that's definitely worthwhile. Um, so when you talk about Torrey Pines, obviously, uh, it's an event we've become a zoo for, you know, 50 plus years in terms of between the Sandy, San Diego open, the farmer's insurance open, et cetera. Um, you know, I, I've already written a few thousand words on uh, kind of my thoughts of the golf course real quick. So I'll kind of throw it to you first, Matt. I mean, in terms of just, the optimal Tory profile you're looking for? Or do you think there are any stats maybe going under the radar for you this week? Or um, do you feel like you kind of align more or less with consensus in terms of you know, distance, long iron play, short game, et cetera? Yeah. Um, I think it's, I mean, I'm fairly in line with the consensus. I think one thing that's interesting about this tournament is it's, I mean, it could turn into a real like grind it out, you know, type of, type of, uh, event. So as much as people can get caught up in, in modeling and, you know, stats and stuff like that, I think it's also important that you look at some of the names that won. And Luke List is kind of a sort of a weird winner um, here. But when I think of like Homa and Reed and even like Leishman, they're kind of guys that just can grind it out and win sort of uglier style events. Um, Reed didn't even really hit his irons that well when he won. He was really just went got up and down everywhere typical Patrick Reed fashion as we talked about the opening didn't have to Matt he, he uh he got a per he somehow got a perfect lie every time he missed a green I don't yeah. know <laughs> <laughs> yeah he did have a controversial uh drop there but embedded lie but um you know in typical Patrick Reed fashion he handled it perfectly and you know got away with it and, and won the event but yeah I think uh I'm looking for guys I mean that can win tough style events um yeah, for sure. All, you know, all the stats are obviously important, long iron play, and, you know, it is a very long course. Um, and the short game, you're going to have to make a lot of, you know, five to ten footers to save par this week if you want to win. Stuff like that's definitely going to be important. But I think when I'm trying to pick someone that could win, you, we talked about it, you know, with the dogs and who yeah. can kind of close out these events. You really have to get a guy that you think is going to be able to come up clutch um because it's not going to be easy wins where you're going to get it to tap in yeah you're going to yeah. really have to to work and earn this one it's a it's it's gonna be a high stress environment on saturday and sunday which i think is is 
something that as golf fans, you know, no matter what you think about Torrey Pines, um, that's what we like to see, right? Shots with consequence, difficult golf shots um, down the stretch, guys that have to execute, you know, world-class shots to, you know, to score and to get it on these greens and even make pars in some, in some instances. So, but yeah, to, to Matt's point, uh, Torrey Pines in 2015 is the, it's the toughest tour stop relative to far um, in terms of, of courses we go to every single year, tougher than places like Augusta National, tougher than places like Mirfield Village and PJ National, et cetera. So, yeah, this is the granddaddy of them all. And really, if it wasn't for the fact that we play the North course for one for one round, it would really be um, – I think the winning scores would be not nearly as inflated as we've kind of seen in recent years with places like 15, 12, kind of 11 under. So, um, But, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll kind of talk more about – Excuse me, the general handicap as we get into some of the names that we like. I'll give one last thing to Matt before I let Chris introduce the odds board for us. Um, we're currently seeing a pretty crazy forecast in La Jolla, at least today. Uh, we got rain dumped on the, the kind of the San Diego area all, all day. Uh, it does seem like wind's going to stay down, at least for the next few days. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday looked pretty benign. So it doesn't seem like guys will have to fare with that too much. Excuse me. But, um, but, if indeed, like we see like a super wet Tory Pines, does that change your handicap at all in terms of players you're looking for? Or, um... I don't know that it necessarily changes the handicap, but I think a soft course certainly is is going to make this long course play even longer. Yeah. Um. So I I there's a lot of names that I think you might be able to kind of rule out that just aren't going to be long enough to win this week. If it is going to be soft, um, I think that kind of plays more into the hands of the longer hitters. For sure. I agree with that. I agree. Especially if, especially with how narrow these fairways are and if the rough is, is lush and all of a sudden guys are have to hit 220 yard iron shots out of this rough. Like that's going to be, I don't know how good your proximity numbers are. You're not getting that near or near the hole. So, right. Um, so yeah, I agree. Distance definitely gets a bump for me. Um, and I, I would say like long iron play definitely gets a bigger bump. If, if, if we're not going to see the same amount of rollout, if you can like, I wouldn't anticipate, People, guys, hitting, be able to hit more fairways if the conditions are a little bit softer. So guys are going to have more chances with longer irons in their hand to kind of attack these flags or quote unquote attack these flags. So I'll be looking distance off the tee for sure, but also um, really leaning into like long iron play guys that can create chances from 200 yards and kind of beyond. Because uh, again, like I said here, especially in the south course, if you hit it to 35 feet every single hole on a lot of these par fours and two putt, you're going to be lapping the field uh, by the end of. By the end of the week. So, all right. Yeah, right on. So if you, um, if you want any kind of more thoughts on, on what I think about the course, like a comprehensive preview, I've got my scout in the route and article up on Rotoballer. Obviously Joe Doni does his course preview. There's plenty of awesome free stuff that's on the site right now. So um, that's why we're kind of leaning a little bit away from just the general course talk, the, the kind of boring minutia. If you do want to listen to, or you, you do want to read that uh, there is a source for it, but let's get into some discussions on the odds board here. Um, starting with uh yeah, the four guys at the top of the odds board, Chris. Yeah, so I I know you guys just did like a little bit draft, but I'm gonna throw another question at you here, right at the top of the odds board here. So I did read a little article earlier for from uh, Rick and Good talking about how just how volatile this tournament can be, especially for guys at the top of the leaderboard, right? So over the last five years of this tournament, there's a 20% miss cut rate for guys under 20 to one. We happen to have four guys under 20 to one. So I want to know who do you like in these top four, but also who's missing the cut. Out of these top four, we got Xander at nine to one, Colin at twelve to one, Max Homa at twelve to one, and Patrick Cantley at twelve to one. Who wants to take it? Go for it. I'll let Matt go first, but I think we have the same answer here. <laughs> that's uh, 
Yeah, it's interesting. I, I guess who I who I like out of these guys to start. Um, I like Homa. I like yeah. Max Homa. Uh, I, I mean, I'm looking at FanDuel right now. He's 12 to 1. But I think he definitely fits his profile well. We talked about him sort of being, you know, a dog. And um, if he's in contention, he could win. He showed this, you know, last year. Um, and he has shown as well to kind of be able once he likes a course, he tends to consistently play well there. And um, yeah. so, so I do like him up top. It's not really hitting me uh, still to see him at twelve to one. I mean, I feel like we we don't get that number on him very often. Uh, he's usually you know at least into the twenties. But I guess that's what you got with the elevated Pebble uh, Pebble Beach event next week. Kind of got to swallow some of those numbers if you want to go to the top of the board. But yeah, he would probably be my pick up there if I had to pick one. Okay. So based on your tone, it doesn't sound like you're betting anybody under 20 to 1? I'm not, um, just because those are some short numbers, and I don't know if any of them are – and you can make a case about certain guys, but me and we kind of talked about it with Xander, Xander and Cantlay. They're not exactly the most prolific winners. I, I can't imagine betting them around 10 to 1. Uh, yeah. I'll probably drop down to the next tier and, and take my chances because I don't think the win equity is dropping off that much. But yeah. – that's a that's a fair point. To be, I, I think your opinion in the like we're just talking outrights right now. I think your opinion on these top four guys is completely dependent on the upside you see from like twenty to thirty five to one. Like if you like a selection of guys like a Ludwig and and a Minwu and some other guys, we'll get to maybe a little bit later. Then I can see you foregoing the top of this board. The problem is, like once you get past the first like fifteen names on this odds board, like it, it drops off real quick. So I, yeah. I think. I think obviously like we're missing like the fact that John Rahm is not here to be two and a half to one or whatever usually is at Torrey Pines. Like that's obviously inflating the numbers that we typically get on a guy like Cantley or Colin or, or Homa, right. Or numbers we're used to getting around this, around this golf course. But I actually do. I actually see myself betting at least one of these top four. I might even bet two if I get the right number. Uh, I like Colin a lot, of course, like how many times I'm going to say that on flag hunting. That's my, that's my actual boy, but he was my cover boy. Uh, for this week's preview article, but um, I'll kind of just go real quick into my case for him. Not like, you know, it takes a, a rocket scientist to break down how I call him work out is good here, but you know, he's coming off, you know, led the, led the field on approach at century in his, in his first start in 2024, uh, finished fifth there, gained 5.25 uh, shots on approach there to mark his sixth straight consecutive worldwide top 25 long-term proximity splits. He's the best long iron player in this field. He's number one in this field from 150 to 200, number three from 200 plus in the proximity to the hole. Uh, he's gained nearly two shots per round on approach and three starts at Torrey. Finished third here last year, gained 6.7 on approach in three rounds. Uh, finished fourth at 2021 U.S. Open, gained 8.3 on approach in, in four rounds. And then 2020 uh, in 2020, finished 21st on debut his rookie season, uh, gained 3.3 shots on approach. So the ball striking is all there. He doesn't have the requisite distance um, that we've kind of talked about, especially if, if conditions get a bit wetter. But the thing with Colin is he's so good with a long iron in his hand that I don't really even care if he's 20, 30 yards behind these guys, honestly, like I'd rather be wet. That way, everybody kind of has, has to hit long irons. And if Colin Morcal's got a five iron in his hand and everyone else has a seven iron, I still kind of trust him to hit it inside a lot of them um, over the course of the week. And kind of finally, Colin's been surprisingly proficient around Torrey Pines with a putter. Um, he's gained 3.1 shots cumulatively in six rounds between his 2020 and 2023 starts. Um, he's over the long term, he's actually a positive way in a putter when it comes down to the course of his career here in California. It makes sense. SoCal kid uh, grew up on POA. So 
Um, obviously not the same kind of splits as a guy like Max or Xander, but um, when it comes down to like striking that gap between, you know, some of the best putters in the field and Colin, he's actually above field average rates out 43rd out of 121 names in strokes game putting on POA since 2020. And then you talk about, you know, hashtag strokes game dog or hashtag, you know, stroke game double score conditions. Like as conditions get tougher, like this is exactly the type of golf course I want Colin Morcow. Where ball striking's at a premium, where, green, where greens and regulation are rewarded, where you can afford to make a few, like pars are not going to hurt you at all. It's not a golf course where he's got to go out there and make, you know, eight birdies in a round and make, you know, his fair share of 15 footers for the week to contend. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Like I said, he, I mean, he finished fourth year at the 2021 U.S. Open. Actually, lost strokes putting for the week. Um, uh, lost over a shot. Excuse me. Lost over a, sh- a shot on the field on the greens that week. So, um, yeah, I like Colin a lot. I, uh, he's sitting at 14 to one for me on a local right now, which I'm, I'm really, really eyeing. But again, I'm, uh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely prone to change. I'm definitely like open to change my mind if I decide that a guy like Ludwig or Sungjae or Minwoo down the board, it maybe makes a bit more sense at their current number. So for me, it's Colin in terms of the guy I like the best. And then we'll talk about maybe the guy that we like the least here after that. Yeah, it's a really interesting like board in general, just because the, even in that next tier, I mean, you kind of let into it. And I'm sure we'll get into it, but it's not like there's names jumping off the board really yeah. that are like crazy winners. Morikawa is really interesting to me because I mean, you look at kind of what he did a couple of years ago when he won um, the PGA Championship and the Open Championship, and it kind of just looked like he was like Mr. Clutch in, in the big events. And then kind of the last couple of years, it's been not not to say bad but i think people just kind of expected him to continue that trajectory which was obviously unsustainable but he seems to have kind of i guess uh a little bit lost that edge and i don't know if he's necessarily the most trustworthy guy with you know five to ten foot putts but um if you do you know trust him more on poa and he does have good you know putting splits like you said here yeah also just someone i mean someone's gonna have to win that (laughs) <laughs> isn't necessarily like you know there's not a field full of crazy winners here so yeah um if you like him I, I totally get it i mean the the from a ball striking perspective he's as elite as they come and that's why he's just seems to be in the mix so often yeah exactly i mean you you kind of led into it but yeah i mean 2021 call more cow if we were redoing that strokes gain dog draft like three years ago 101 or 102 like he, he i mean three years ago two years ago he was like he had that look in his eye where it was like, oh, this guy's like not going to miss for like three hours straight. Like he's going to hit every fairway, every green. He's going to make, you know, kind of his fair share of putts. And uh, he's not going to make a bogey for like, you know, doesn't matter what golf course we're on. So, um, so yeah, I, I get it. Like there's certainly more frailty with Colin now than maybe at his peak for sure. Um, but man, I, I just, I don't know. I, like I said, I don't really have a very high opinion after like these top seven or eight names. Um, and so like, I like home a lot too. Like home is, home is probably my second favorite of this range for sure. Um, I kind of mentioned earlier how, you know, he might not have like the long-term ball striking baselines as a guy like Xander or, or Colin, but when home does get it firing, like he's more than capable of like lapping a field on approach play, right? Like he's more than capable of gaining six, seven, eight shots in approach. And actually we've seen it a lot. Um, it's, it seems like over the course of his career, he's, he's kind of tended to do his best approach work on like longer golf courses, right? The best three weeks of his, the best three iron weeks of his 2023 season came 
right here, 8.4 strokes gain at Torrey, 7.9 at Bay Hill last year, and 4.8 at the players. That was his best three iron weeks, a lot of long irons, a lot of mid irons there. I mean, you look back through his career, plus 6.9 in the 2022 PGA, Southern Hills, plus 5.9 at 2022 API, plus 5.9 at the uh, Waste Management 2021, 4.5 at Torrey Pines 2021, 6.3 at API 2020, 4.3 at Memorial 2019. So he does tend to spike a lot more frequently, it feels like, at these kind of, again, more long iron intensive venues where you, again, have to hit a lot of approach shots from 175 to 200. Um, you know, obviously, we're back in California. California Max is different. Best point of putter on the entire PGA Tour since the start of 2020. So um, you can make a real good case for Max, to be honest. And honestly, if I had to like complete my card right now, it would be Colin and Max, kind of in that 12 to 14 to one range. Yeah, I mean, you could you could also go, and I mean, I'm sure there's so many different ways you could sort of arrange your card. But um, sometimes I do feel, I mean, it's kind of up to however you want to do it, obviously. But sometimes I do kind of feel dumb working in like. You know, trying to work in five guys when realistically I know that two of them are going to be losers. You know, <laughs> guys that I like to bet, but they can't really close out a tournament to save their yeah. life. Um, and it's like, man, if I just pick guys that can actually win, <laughs> you know, it would be a lot easier. But uh, sometimes it's more I fun, mean, you know, trying to get brother, the guy for his first win. I, I've been there. I uh, I bet Eric Cole and JT Post in like probably about 20 times in the last six months. So I've, I've been there in terms of like the FOMO being like, Oh, he's, I, I think so highly of him, but like, I know he's going to finish T seven. Like, I just, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like, there's like 0% chance he's going to win unless, you know, he just happens to have like a five shot lead on the back nine. But, um, so I assume, okay. I assume the guy you guys are cutting is Patrick Cantley then has to be right. It is for yeah. me. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't understand why he's like, why he's priced with Colin and Homa, to be honest with you. Like his Tory history is, is real bad. Like I think he's finished 51st with two missed cuts in, at the Farmers and three appearances. Hasn't made a start here since 2020. Did finish inside the top 15 at the U.S. Open in 2021. But like when you compare his track record here compared to like Xander, Homa, and Colin, like it's, it's kind of night and day. I, yeah, I don't know. To be completely honest, I mean, I'm not complaining about it, but I don't know why he's playing this week. Um, I was going to say, yeah. I was with, surprised to see him in the field. It, it's not really, like you said, his typical stop. And with, you know, an ele- elevated event next week, um, I was pretty surprised to see him here. Yeah. Especially with, yeah, especially it's Pebble. He loves Pebble. I mean, he he's lost in the playoff two years ago at Phoenix. And then obviously Rib might be his favorite golf course on tour. So I guess, I mean, I've never, I don't remember the last time Cantley played five events in a row, but he's, about to <laughs> yeah that's a weird i don't yeah i don't know what's going on that's strange for me uh yeah. but i guess we'll find out <laughs> yeah yeah i but to, yeah i know I, I took us like 20 minutes to answer chris's question yeah. <laughs> Fuck it's, all good. it's all good Fuck. all right Fuck. so next up on the other we move uh big drop down to the 20 to 1 range actually 22 to 22 to 1 on most books as we're looking um, at Ludwig at 22, Sungjae at 22, Jason Day at 25, Minwoo at 25, and Tony Finau at 28. Me, personally, being the more casual golf guy between these between these two, you know, uh, Matt mentioned that it was kind of crazy seeing Max at 12. I think it's kind of crazy seeing Jason Day at 25 um, here. Uh, but what do you guys think about this range? Who do you like? Who do you don't like? If you're starting your betting card, Matt, do you start it here? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm I'm kind of still. I feel like I should pick someone in this range, and I'm undecided on on who it is. So if either of you guys have someone, you can kind of <laughs> talk me into. It's I can. I want to bet Minwoo. <laughs> um, I think I, 
I'm a fan of him the most in this range. I don't know if he should be priced here. Um, yeah. I don't really know. I mean, he played well last year at the U.S. Open, and, you know, that was LACC, California, you know, course. But um, I don't know. It kind of feels like a high number for a fairly, you know, unproven guy on, on the PGA Tour. Um, and then you have, you know, Sungjae Bermuda last week. He, you know, he doesn't win a ton as much as he's kind of always in the mix or, you know, pretty consistent at least um jason day i'm not a huge you know huge fan of and tony fino's kind of been i don't know he's been inconsistent too so it's sort of a weird it's sort of a weird range i feel like if if i'm not going to pick someone up top i should have someone in this uh in this range but there's no one that's you know necessarily a you know must click for me right here yeah i i kind of concur It, it it is also hard to like to make this decision because we have one less day because the tournament starts on Wednesday. So like I'm having to like make decisions that I'm not used to having to make on, on kind of Monday, Tuesday. Uh, Cause usually I like to throw things marinate, listen to some press conferences, player quotes and stuff like that, and then make decisions. So, um, but to, to kind of summarize this range, I think it's either like, it's either complete projection or it's like, I know exactly who this guy is and I don't want it, <laughs> you know, yeah. because, because some Jay, like, you know what some Jay's going to do. I know he's finished sixth and fourth in the last two years, but like, we really trust him at like 22 to one to win at Tory Pines. Like absolutely not. Um, I was, I, I live added him last week at, at the Amex and uh, he had many chances at La Quinta on Saturday. I mean, Nick Dunlop was out there firing 60 at La Quinta and Sung Jay like couldn't make a birdie for like two hours straight. So yeah, um, I had Sung Jay too. And I felt like that was kind of even more of the setup for him where he could just kind of make birdies yeah. and we 30, saw him do it at the century. I'm like, this will be perfect. And like you said, he, he couldn't do it when it mattered. Yeah. Um, but I, I do like his fit for this golf course, obviously like long iron play elite driving, like he's an all around player, but I just, I just see like T 13 in some Jay's future. And at 22 to one, like he, <laughs> yeah. he doesn't have the ceiling that I, I want. Um, and then obviously like you mentioned Jason day, Chris, and I'm right there with you in terms of like, yeah, I, I couldn't fathom betting at 25 to one to win this golf tournament. I know obviously the only reason he's here is because of course history, right? He won here back in 2015 and 2018. He's got three, uh, top seven finishes in his last five starts from 2019 to 2023. So, um, you know, he can draw on some past experience, but in terms of like the way he's currently playing, uh, not interested in Jason day at 22 to one or whatever he is. Uh, and then Finau, I don't know what to make of Finau. It feels like this could be a potential get right spot for him, but he was playing a lot better here last or coming in here last year. And he was like the exact same number. Like he was like 20, he was like 25 or 22 to one last year. And now he can get about 28, but he's playing a lot worse or at least a lot more inconsistently to Matt's point. So I just feel like of, of these kind of like stable guys, Sungjae Day and Finau, I, I'm just kind of done with them in terms of betting them outright, at least at this golf course. And then yeah, it was weird. Yeah, go ahead. No, it was, it's weird because I feel like almost like if you're if you drop down to the next tier, like I, I don't feel that I'm necessarily losing that much, like you know, win equity or or stature. I, kind of yeah. more names down here stuck out to me as sort of value than that range. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I I kind of hate the next range too, to be honest with you. But my, so so if I had to pick a favorite to kind of answer your question earlier of like if I were to start my card above twenty. Like, I'd, I would probably just go with Ludwig, to be honest. Because, like, Lud- I mean, I understand, like, it's pure projection. We don't really know how he's going to fit in this golf course. We've never seen him at a, at a venue like this, right? It's, it's, it's been a lot of, like, kind of short course birdie parties, 
you know, your RSMs, your 3Ms, your Windoms, your uh, your Sonys, et cetera, right? So I guess this will be kind of a, a stepping stone in terms of like what we should expect for Ludwig in 2024 as a whole, because we all obviously like a lot of us have masters 66 to one futures and PJ championship futures. And we all expect the world eventually, but you know, if you can't deliver here, or at least for the next like two or three weeks, like all of a sudden you've got to kind of, you know, lower your expectations going into like major championship season. Uh, Cause this is like, this is a test or this is the, the most congruent test to he's faced to his, this point in his professional career in terms of, uh, you know, a major championship style venue. So it's, it is pure projection, but I just feel like the course fit is, is so like just perfect, right? Like the best total driver in the world of golf right now at Torrey Pines, like soft conditions, I think will help Ludwig as well, because, you know, if there was like one, maybe long-term deficiency in this game, it's his iron play tends to be a bit more consistent, but soft conditions make it a little bit easier to hold greens. And um, I do feel like if he's just able to kind of take aim, from the fairway for four days, he's going to gain a lot of strokes just with his ball striking. So it, again, it's like, I don't have the same amount of like confidence that he's going to like, you know, he's going to show that peak form as opposed to a guy like Homer or Cal, but that's kind of why you're getting double the number. And like, no one would be surprised if Ludwig wins this event. No, I don't, I don't think I'd be surprised. Oh, I think we might've lost Matt. The North, the Northeastern, the Northeastern internet is not, there you go. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah, the, north, the internet up here is killing me. Um, we uh, yeah, Ludwig. He's interesting to me because I think it's it is sort of unproven at and Minwoo in the same range. I mean, they're both fairly unproven at, to be at this number, but I guess in this field, that's sort of what it is. A you know more of a projection there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, I, I didn't think uh, we'd be we'd be through thirty to one without an official bet yet. To be honest with you, I haven't made anything. I've kind of talked about what what I like and what I'm probably going to do. Um, but yeah, in general, I guess we're both kind of aligned. We'd like Ludwig the best, or would you take Minwoo at twenty five over Ludwig at twenty two? Right? Now? I'd probably take Ludwig there. Um, but it's uh, yeah, I'm not like over. I, I'm not dying to take either. But yeah. that would probably be my pick. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's happening, Matt? Is the fact that like. We've seen Chris Kirk, Grayson Murray, and Nick Dunlop win the last three weeks. So we're, we're getting like trigger shy, you know, like we're, we're just like, we're looking for all the wrong reasons to why these things are going to fail. But uh, I, I feel like this is the week it, it has to normalize, right? You, you would think so. I feel like we've already talked about the winner. If, if yeah, I, we have to get back to, to a normal, a normal winner. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's yeah. move on to thirties. Let's see what. I was going to say, otherwise, I'm just going to scroll down here to 201, sorry, Ben Cole, but um, no, I'm just kidding. All right, so we'll, we'll stay on track here. In the 30s and 40s, we've got four names here. Uh, Keegan Bradley, 33 to 1. Uh, second place last time we saw him, second place last year as well. Here, uh, see the gala kind of, you know, you know, second in last time we saw at Sony, but then a cut, uh, cut last week. And then um, Eric Cole and Sepp Straka. I don't think Cole's going to be the guy that we're kind of latching onto this week. But Sepp Straka, man, last five starts, no matter where he's played in the world, hasn't fished worse than T22. So uh, good run of form there. But who do you guys like out of these four? I think for me, I know you guys said you don't love it, but I think this is my favorite range so far. Really? Interesting. All right, Matt. Yeah. How about you? I, uh, you yeah, I have a couple I have a couple official uh, bets in, in this range. Oh. I am uh, – I'm taking Keegan to start, yeah. and uh, he's – it's weird. I mean, I, I wouldn't exactly 
call him a dog or have the most faith in him uh, if I'm riding him on Sunday. But he has won each of the last two years to give him, you know, credit there. He has closed it out. Like you mentioned, he played well at the Sony. Um, he gained 4.1 strokes on approach. He's got a good track record here. He was second here last year. Uh, a couple other, you know, good finishes here in the past as well. Kind of seems like a, a course that fits his game well, even though he's a, sort of a Northeast guy. But, um, yeah, I'm rocking with Keegan this week. I think that there's enough value there. I, I would have liked to have got, I guess, a little bit better of a number on him, but it's good enough uh, starting with a three there for, for me to dive in. Would you get 30? Did you get 35? I had a 30, yeah, 35 earlier today. Yeah, yeah. I saw that as well. I know our boy uh, Byron's on Keegan as well, so he'll be in good company. Sweating that bet. Um, Keegan would be my favorite of this range for sure. I, I do like, I kind of understand what you're saying about him not being like a complete dog, but what I do like about Keegan is he's not afraid to like win a big event. Like he's not afraid to stare down like a big name. I feel like he's not a guy that I think will wilt if a guy like, you know, Colin or Max or Xander or Cantley are, are in his like final group alongside of him. Uh, he's won a major championship. He won an elevated event last year at the travelers. Um, so yeah, I, I do like, I do like Keegan. I think the, the course history, for me, I think we're paying up a little bit too much for course history, just based on. I mean, we could have got Keegan at sixty to one to win the Sony two weeks ago, and now he's thirty-five to one to win here. But of of the of the four, I definitely like Keegan the best. Uh, Eric Cole, absolutely no chance of betting him at, at the at Tory Pines uh, with that driver, and then Sahith. I, I just felt like the Sahith had the perfect spot at Kapalua, and uh, you know, low side lip the uh, the final the the final putt on on the seventy second to. He cost himself a chance to play off, but Tigal is one that I, I don't feel safe in like projecting him for any sort of like top 20 or top 10, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he goes out there and like gains 10 strokes putting. Um, and, you know, he has tended to pop up a lot at like really difficult golf courses, you know, places like Memorial and the Masters and uh, this golf course last year. I think he finished inside the top five at this. Uh, four, four. Yeah. yeah. In 6.7 on approach that week as well. So, Genesis T6 too as well. Yeah, Riviera, another one. Poa, he's a California kid. So I, I get it. I get it. I just – I feel like, if anything, these guys are maybe a little bit overpriced, uh, to be honest, just based on kind of what we're getting. I feel like the tier break was kind of after Sung Jae Min Wu, and this is kind of the top of the next tier. But um, but I do like the Keegan. I, I, do, I think Keegan is the best of the four. I just don't know if I can get there at 35 to 1. I do have a little interest in Sahith um, yeah. because – and it's weird because I'm not, like, necessarily a Sahith truther by any means, um, but he does have good history here. I mean, he plays well in, in California, and I do trust his putter, um, which I think is pretty – it's going to be pretty important this week when you talk about, you know, you're going to have to make a lot of, you know, five to ten-foot par saves all week if you want to win. He's baseline, just pretty consistently good putting. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, could be important. So I, I'm not afraid to necessarily take a chance on him this week. Um, he's not – he hasn't really, you know, have too much of a proven track record in terms of winning. I mean, he did pick up a win at the Fortinet in the fall, but that's obviously a much different style event than we're looking at this week. Um, but, you know, maybe this will be kind of his, uh, his breakthrough moment this week. I don't know. I can see it. I can see it. I I've kind of already resigned myself to the fact that if Sahith gets a big one, I'm probably not going to be there for it. Um, just because, again, I'm, I feel like the place he has on odds boards, I tend to like guys around his his mark a little bit better. I just I, I don't really trust the the ball striking floor from week in week out. But he's he's also a similar guy to Max, where like he can also pop up 
and gain like six or seven shots in approach. So I, I kind of understand why people are bullish on Tahith. It's, it's just not, not for me. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I got to say about this range. I, I do like Keegan maybe is like a prop play, um, but fading air Cole and, I think the Straka number's gotten away from us a little bit. I, I saw like 66 to ones being posted on Twitter early this morning. And I don't see anything like that right now. So people have caught on for Straka. I mean, he did finish um, 16th here, I believe, last year as another top 13, as a 13 place finish here back in 2019. So um, he's, he's proven a, a fair amount, but I don't know if I'm ready to get on board with Seb Straka at 35, 40 to one at Torrey Pines. Yeah, that's fair. All right, pretty big drop off I think here, but let's. I think we at least have to talk about this next range, and then we'll kind of open it up to anybody further down the board. But uh, kind of the fifties and sixties here, I guess it's the tale of two tapes. Which which range do you like better? The fifties we got Harris English, Nikola Hoygaard, and Will Zalatoris. The sixties we got Adrian Moran, Hideki Matsuyama, and Justin Rose. So some guys coming stateside for the first time this year. Some guys that we've seen some real pure form from that we haven't seen in a long time. Um, I guess, you know, is there anybody in this range that you guys like? Do you see a return to form from the Willie Z's, the Matsuyama's, or do you see one of these guys coming stateside, you know, kind of making a splash? Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, this is, this is interesting. Um, and when I looked at it this morning, in my mind this morning, I, I like, you know, I traditionally, I like Harris English. Um, I've won on him a few times in the past and he came, I think he was third here at the U.S. Open back in 2021. Um, he's a good finish here. My concern with him is just even though he's playing a little bit better, he's been relying pretty heavily on the putter. Yeah. Um, and it's just this doesn't really feel like a spot you want to try to find your irons. Um, I wish he was hitting it a little better with the irons leading into this week. And that's why I don't know if I necessarily trust him at that number, but he is a guy that I feel like is a pretty good fit for this course. Um, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to get there kind of with that recent form, you know, uh, on approach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think in general, like my overall stance on guys like English is I don't really like paying up for course history. And like, I like obviously course history is great. We've cited a couple of times in the podcast, but I, I need you to have like some recent, like top results. I need to be coming with some life, especially at the golf course. Like you said, like Torrey Pines, I just feel like if this was like a regular event that wasn't a Torrey Pines in this field, he would be like, you know, maybe 20, 30 points further down the odds board. I, I don't really see him at the same level as guys like Hoy guard or a couple of the guys I'll talk about here in a little bit. So, um, so yeah, that'd be my thoughts on English. I mean, from like a course fit standpoint, like Hoy guard should fit this course really well. Uh, but he has a lot of the same problems that I have with Ludwig in terms of like, he's never played this golf course before we, you know, he's to my knowledge, he's never even putted on Poana before uh, coming over from Europe. <clears throat> and uh, you know, these, this, this just has the the possibility of being a bit of culture shock, even though I do feel like his game translates pretty well for Torrey Pines. Like the fact that he was just in Dubai, what, two days ago and making the trans Pacific yeah. flight um, across to Torrey Pines in, in Southern California. So Tough travel day for for kind of him as well as uh, Moronk as well as Ryan Fox further down the board. So um, I think on the surface I I'll be interested to see kind of how he performs because I I think the world of Boyguard is a talent. Like I, I think he's got potential to be a top 10, 15 player in the world within the next couple of years. But I uh, don't know if this is quite the spot for me. You talked about maybe the resurgence of Zalatoris. I'm gonna go ten or five points down the board to Hideki Matsuyama. Um, this is a number that I 
again, it kind of depends on what I decide to do on the t- at the top, but I'm seeing as, as deep as 60 to one on FanDuel and Caesars. And I think that's the biggest, the best value on the board uh, for me. Hideki is still one of the best long iron players in this field. He rates inside the top five in both my key proximity ranges. Uh, he has three finishes of 12th or better over his last six starts at Torrey. Finished third here in 2019, ninth, uh, sorry, third here in 2019, ninth year last year. Uh, gained six shots on approach and a 26th place finish at the U.S. Open in 2021. And uh, actually gained 5.7 shots on the greens in three rounds here last year on the south course, which is the best putting performance he's had since winning the Sony two years ago. So Poem has always kind of been his most steady surface. He just showed some real proficiency on the greens just 12 months ago here. And, you know, we're getting him at 60 to 1 for a guy that has a really, really well-documented bit of course history here. He hasn't gotten up to the best start in 2024, but he did finish 30th at the Sony. Uh, which is a solid performance, if a bit unremarkable. Gained in all three strokes gain categories from T to green and scored better every day as the week went on. Scored 70, 68, 67, 66 to backdoor that T30. Um, but maybe more interestingly than any of that is the fact that Hideki actually rated six in that field in driving distance, um, which really surprised me if you kind of track Hideki over the last two years, like one of the main – I think reasons for his maybe overall downfall has been the fact that he's lost a lot of that pop off the tee. Um, and I went back and, and kind of vetted that driving stat. I, I went back and tracked every single shot he hit on Torcast. Um, and he passed my eye test, to be honest with you. I mean, he was swinging the club um, as freely as I can remember. He was blowing it by Davis Thompson routinely in the Saturday pairing, which is, I mean, Davis is not a short hitter by any means. And he was hanging right alongside. He was paired with Ludwig Aberg and Nick Hardy in the Sunday three ball and was hanging right alongside them. So if his driver is, is like finding form like from just a couple years ago if he's like you know back to driving over 300 yards per per drive and we know the long iron game is there we know the short game is there he's comfortable on Poana. like this feels like a really really sick price at, at 60 to 1 uh for a guy like hideki who i know can win this golf tournament for sure so um so he would be my absolute favorite out of this range um i i like justin rose as well maybe not to win but i feel like a 65 to 1 he's kind of got a similar profile as day a guy that has a really really substantial history at Torrey Pines, but maybe not playing the best as of right now. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Justin Rose pop up and finish inside the top kind of 10 or 15. Um, but as far as outrights, I, I think Hideki's my, my my lean here, kind of above 50 to 1. Yeah, I mean, I think if you get up to this range, if you're certainly looking for win equity and, you know, there's plenty of guys who might be in better form technically right now, but it doesn't really matter if you finish, you know, T9 or miss the cut if you're not going to win. Yeah. Um, in terms of a guy who's, if he's in contention, has, you know, really proven to be a winner, um, Hideki certainly fits that bill. So I think anytime you can get him at a number like that, if there's something to like about it, um, that's, I'm on, you know, I'm on board. Okay. Good deal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I've got as far as like potential guys on the card. Right now, I'm kind of sorting between like how many guys I want to bet in that top tier. Like I said, I've got 14 to ones on the local on Colin and, and Max that um, I'm staring at pretty heavily. I'll probably end up on at least one of those two, and then from there, it's going to be a collection of like maybe Ludwig if I only bet one of the top two at the top, or if I bet two of them, I probably just add Hideki and call it a week. So, um, but yeah, that's that's all I've got. So, Matty, I'll I'll, get, I'll give you the floor. Uh, for just kind of maybe some final thoughts on your betting card, kind of what direction you're kind of leaning as of right now, and uh, maybe a sleeper or two if you want to, if you want to give. Yeah, I, I have two guys that are at triple digits right now that are long shots that I, I might take a take a shot on. Um, one of them is Sam Ryder. I think I'm, I'm definitely gonna definitely gonna bet. Um, 
I'm probably falling victim to history here. I mean, he was fourth there last year, and it actually looked for a while like he was going to win this oh, thing. Yeah. And then the until, his mom, nine, until his mom went on fucking TV and was like, I've been dreaming about this day for, for so long. <laughs> yeah, his mom called game a little bit early there, um, oh, and it backfired. But, yeah, he certainly played well for, I, you know, until like the back nine on Sunday. And he yeah. also is a top ten here in 2021. Uh, we don't really, unfortunately, have a lot of the you know stats from last week because of the you know three course rotation. There's only shot link on one of them, um, and that was the first time he played so far this year. But you know, prior to that, just looking at strokes gain and uh, the measured stats we have available, he gained an approach in um, eight straight. So you know, he had his irons going pretty well. Uh, you know, anyone over 100 to one, there's going to be certainly reasons not to take them, but I think there's enough there for him to be intriguing. And the other guy I've kind of been keeping my eye on, and I don't know if I'm going to get there or not. I don't know if he's going to get it done this week. But Billy Horschel is a guy that's at triple digits, and he had a really bad year for the most part last year. But, I mean, you look at two years ago, he he made a President's Cup team. I mean, he won the Memorial and the, the match play, uh, you know, fairly recently. You know, within the last couple of years, he's definitely a guy that, can win um at an event like this now has he gotten back to the point that he's you know ready to win an event i don't know the answer to that but he certainly isn't as bad as he was you know maybe like six months ago five months ago he's trending in the right direction and he might be kind of a guy that we can get a little bit of a number on before people start to notice that he's playing better um because i don't think he deserves to be 101 you know in a field like this just in terms of win equity so uh he's someone that i certainly am, am keeping an eye on yeah horse broke my heart last week man i had him in a lot of props and on DraftKings, and uh he was like right on the cut line on saturday um with like four holes to play on nicholas and then bogey to par five and that was the uh that was the end of him so i was right there with you i was big on horse last week um i like the fact that he went overseas over the offseason and, and it seemed like he got his he's gotten his game together a lot more than again his price like you said would indicate so yeah, I'll definitely be looking at him for sure within the next kind of few weeks, like if, especially in Florida, you know, like yes. Honda, uh, Bay Hill players, like those all feel like really, really nice horsel spots. So if he can stretch some life on the West Coast, that's going to even further embolden me with the horsel case going forward. So, all right, man. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I haven't, I kind of looked through everyone kind of past like 80 to one because I primarily deal in outrights. So, uh, I'll let, you know, guys like you and Owen and, and, Byron and, and Spencer do the uh, do the prop markets for me, and I'll just stick with my casual two two names and and done here in the outright market. But Matt, it's a fucking pleasure talking golf with you, man. It's been way too long. I know we've been on staff at Ritterwall together for for like almost a year now. So um, pleasure having you on, man. I'm trying to get on to DNF sometime in the future. You, I've listened to you guys, you and Owen, for like multiple years now. So you guys are OGs to me for sure. Nah, I appreciate that. And we'll absolutely have you on, man. Thanks for having me on. It's been too long. Uh, yeah, we'll have to get you on one of these next few weeks and, uh, you know, return the favor. But now nah, I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, thank you both. It was a lot of fun. Good deal. All right. So with that being said, guys, uh, more to come from, uh, obviously, Ian's betting card. He'll release that probably in the next, well, I guess kind of has to in the next well, 24 hours. <laughs> uh, um, and then be sure to check out Matt's stuff over at Baller uh, on the Drawn Paints podcast. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like a lot of um leans up top for ian and kind of more down the board for matt uh, but yeah interesting to see where the tournament will go what the weather how the weather will pan out and will we see finally see a winner shorter than 150 to one 
I would say so. Uh, but anyways, guys, we will talk to you next week and hopefully with a winning ticket in hand from one of these boys here. See you guys.